0: Is the hour of Doom and Bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Survival Medicine Podcast, a sanctum of serenity in a sacrilegious world. I'm Joe Halton, MD That Old Dr. Bones, founder or oh, co-founder of the survival medicine website, doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over thirteen hundred articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness. And this is
1: Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And I am also known as Nurse Amy.
0: And she's the hostess with the mostest, purveyor of some of the highest quality medical <laughs> kits on the planet, and so adorable that puppies watch videos of her. <laughs> oh, that's right. If you're interested in this stuff, I would suggest that you join our groups. We have groups and all sorts of social media that you can join. We Our special groups are on MeWe, they are mm-hmm. on PrepperNet, uh, they're also on uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. and we're actually holding a giveaway right now for a, one of our big dental bags. Yes. And so if you are not dentally prepared, you may be medically prepared, but you may not be dentally prepared, and you're worried about a long-term <laughs> event happening, well, you're gonna need to take, take care of some dental issues too. We're giving away one of our bags to only the members of our groups. So feel free to join us on Miwi on PrepperNet.net. Yes, and on Facebook you can find us just about anywhere on the interweb.
1: Yes, and our groups are all called Survival Medicine. That's right. Even on PrepperNet.net. Uh, we called it.
0: Pre- no, they're called Doctor call Doctor Joe Alton Bones and Nurse Amy Alton. Okay. So that That's, that's a on way.
1: PrepperNet.net. All right. Okay.
0: You know what? Before we start, you got to listen to our disclaimer. How about that? Okay. No exceptions. All right. Pay attention. All-, <laughs> All
1: information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Please.
0: So today I want to talk a little bit about a common thing that just about every medic is going to deal with in a survival situation, and that is cellulitis. So what is cellulitis? By the way, it is not cellulite like the plastic surgeons want to get rid of or <laughs> or I don't, I'm not even sure how they, how they do that. I guess suck your cellulite out. What we're talking about is cellulitis, and that means an inflammation of of the soft tissues now think about this you are in a group you are assigning tasks to people in the group Mm -hmm. here that person gets to chop wood for fuel that person gets to build a campfire and these people probably don't do this on a daily basis in reality you're going to do a lot of things that you're just not used to doing if something really bad happens and you were knocked off the grid If you're thrown back to the 19th century, really, Mm -hmm. from a medical standpoint. So the infections that I'm talking about are infections of soft tissue, like I said, and they develop when bacteria enter through a crack or a break in your skin. Mm -hmm. Now, you can imagine that off the grid, that's going to happen a lot. Now, most of the time, there won't be an infection associated with it, but even the bacteria that naturally lives on your skin can easily become an infection because it doesn't belong inside your skin or right. in any of the deeper layers, either the dermis or the subcutaneous fat, muscle tissue. Any of that bacteria naturally on your skin is could be life-threatening if it gets down inside, into those areas. Right. That's right. Why am I talking about this today? Because I actually have a case of cellulitis. I'll tell you the sad story. After doing a Strange walk for about story. two miles, I... Looked down at my leg, and I saw that there was a bump on my leg, and there was a little break in the skin.
1: But he didn't show it to me.
0: And I didn't show it to her because I didn't think it was a big deal. So I felt it in my doctorly way. Palpation is what we call feeling uh, in medical speak. And so I palpated it, and it popped. But the thing is, it didn't pop through the break in the skin. It popped inside. Right. And it spread all over the place, and you'll be able to see some uh, images of that on your screen well within a short period of time i was sort of at the end of my rope and so i went into the emergency room because gosh by my age all sorts of things could really be the well, cause of that it
1: didn't clear up after we went in there on the sixth day I right mean, you waited six days well for it to get better before you went to the emergency room
0: well we did and it
1: didn't seem like it was getting better
0: Right, that's true. And so they did an x-ray. Thank goodness the bone was not involved. Right. And they apparently can tell that. So that's good because it could have been one of a lot of bad things that happen if you have something going on inside the bone. Right. And it was some kind of soft tissue swelling. So that's cellulitis. Now, when that happens, it's very important to put people on antibiotics. And so they put me on antibiotics. And here I am two weeks later, and it's still not completely gone. So we have to check really into all the different things that it could be. Now, there are a number of things that it could be uh, that that cause cellulitis or that are not just related to infection. If, for example, if you had, let's say, um, a vein that you bumped and you broke that vein open without necessarily breaking the skin, this could happen, you would have a, an accumulation of blood under the skin. That is called a hematoma. Many times that turns sort of purple, but doesn't have to necessarily. In my case, It didn't. It was just red. But then over the course of several days, it started turning yellow. And when that happens... Like a
1: healing bruise does. Like a healing bruise does. Right. Moves through the colors and then eventually turns yellow. And
0: and started sinking. So it, uh, it happened on my left shin... And it made its way, the bruising, down to my ankle. Ankle, right. So that's something that is important. Now, you can also have cellulitis mimicking a dermatitis, a special kind of dermatitis. that's caused by poor venous circulation. That's called venous stasis dermatitis. And in that case, you have people that have, and this happens on both, almost always on both legs, they have a reddish-brown area of skin that just turns red more and more brown as time goes on, and the skin get winds up getting rougher and, and more coarse right And so that is, that's that. Now, but,
1: and, and so right off the bat, you can think one side is something that is an injury or or not the one you just said. And then this one has both legs. That's right. So being able to sort of go through these stages of the color, the texture, whether it's both sides, um, as we're moving through and you're describing these differential diagnoses, um, just kind of think to yourself, all right, how is this different from the last thing that he described? And then you can sort of have a table of, okay, these are my signs and then what it could possibly be and then making check marks and maybe I'll make one of those on Canva and put that up on the video.
0: That might be a good idea. So.
1: It'll organize things for you guys. So I'm gonna do that after we're finished here. Uh, take the, the different diagnoses that we're speaking of and, and the signs and give you an idea of, of how you can clearly see uh, to the best of your ability without diagnostic testing, which is available now, modern physical signs,
0: physical signs and symptoms.
1: Right. But going through what you can check on, Uh, if you're off the grid or in a survival situation.
0: Now, another thing that could cause an issue on one leg, this won't happen on both legs Mm -hmm. unless you are incredibly unlucky, but maybe an insect bite, a response to an insect bite or a contact dermatitis from uh, maybe being exposed to poison ivy or something like that could cause swelling and inflammation of the soft tissue. Now, people say brown recluse bites always cause a necrosis of the skin, and that's actually really dependent on the amount of toxin or venom that has been injected into you. And so if very little has been injected into you, then you may not get all of that. I had basically a scab that lasted a long time. It did. It, but it's gone now.
1: Until you went into a bathtub for a while and did like a hot soak. Yeah. That was the only thing. The showering, daily showering, didn't get rid of didn't it. Didn't do a thing. But the soaking in the bathtub uh, actually did. And so once it the scab came off, we immediately looked at it to see if there was a hole because we were thinking because the scab was looking black and I'll show you guys a picture of that because it was black. It kind of mimicked the bite that I had had, which had a black scab, a truly black scab. But when my black scab came off, there was a hole (laughs) where the poison had sort of eaten away at the tissue and yours wasn't. It was very superficial And it didn't go any deeper, so that was a good thing for us to see.
0: Now, I will say that just because an x-ray showed my bone to be intact doesn't mean that you couldn't have a contusion or a bruise on the bone itself. And sometimes what happens is the lining of the bone, most most bones have a lining called the periosteum, a thin lining. Uh, If there was bleeding going on under there, then that could cause a swelling and that could cause possibly a a hematoma, accumulation of blood that's related to the actual bone. And so that's something else that you have to rule out. Now, interestingly enough, since I'm a doctor and I, of course, I I think of all of these crazy (laughs) things that could have happened to me. I saw all sorts of different doctors. Now I saw uh, my family doctor, he said to see a dermatologist. My dermatologist said... Yeah, it looks like the skin's inflamed. Put me on some antibiotics and then told me to see a orthopedic person to determine whether there was a bone bruise or not. So all that orthopedic person, they didn't find any bone bruise. Doubted it was that. So they sent me to a vascular <laughs> vascular doctor to identify whether I had a blood clot in the veins. Right. And so they did an ultrasound and they didn't find there was a blood clot in the veins, but they did find indeed that it was an accumulation of blood under the shin and even today even though it's slowly getting better there's still a bump on my shin that probably yes. be there i think for months the good news with regards to the medic in a survival situation with people that have cellulitis is that most people especially young folks are going to recover pretty fast from right. it infections From minor wounds are pretty re- easy to treat today and you know i'm a little outlier in that i'm still having some symptoms Despite being on antibiotics Or having been on antibiotics Now, without antibiotics Bacteria can become life-threatening So it's important to make sure That nothing has entered the bloodstream That you haven't broken the skin And you haven't entered the, a bug hasn't entered the bloodstream <laughs> Bloodstream You got a tongue
1: twister yeah, again <laughs> We call that
0: septicemia Or you may know of it as blood poisoning Now, germs that invade the soft tissue below the superficial layer of the skin, they can rapidly infect other layers below. So just be aware that this could be a pretty serious thing. Just because you've seen someone have a swollen, like a boil or a folliculitis, some kind of swelling or a small abscess doesn't mean that it's just a small thing. It could be an issue because without antibiotics, the medic in a survival situation would would probably just watch people's infections spread to lymph nodes and then into the bloodstream. And then once that happens, they become what we call septic. In other words, a whole body infection. Oh, I just want to say another way that you can identify cellulitis, besides it usually being on one leg, is and it's more associated with redness than bruising itself, is that there may be streaky redness, which, in other words, the, the channels that drain inflammatory fluid from your body, from the periphery of your body to the core, it, those are called lymph glands or lymph channels. And those lymph channels become inflamed, and actually, you might see some red streaking in some cases. So, that's another way that you can identify cellulitis. If you got somebody who has sepsis, you got a problem because they can become not only infected in the bloodstream, but it can go... It can, actually, the bone itself or the bone marrow itself can become infected. In the past, well, sepsis was pretty much fatal mm-hmm. in most cases, and it certainly was going to have a higher death rate than it does today if something really happens and you know what hits a fan. The amazing thing is, is that the typical bugs that cause cellulitis... Are we keep strep. calling them
1: bugs maybe we shouldn't say bugs because every time we say bugs everyone thinks of like
0: oh uh, okay
1: bugs Well, <laughs>
0: pathogens that cause cellulitis okay. are I actually prefer that <laughs> it includes staph, Staphylococcus staph yes. And also group a strep, streptococcus. Right. And they don't, like I said, they don't do any harm on your skin.
1: Normally, okay? right. They're but, just there.
0: And, but if they penetrate deeply through a, a cut in your skin, they can really cause, cause trouble. And as a matter of fact, there's a resistant form of staph, which you probably have heard of, called MRSA. MRSA stands for Methicillin-Resistant Staphylococcus aureus. And uh, methicillin is a antibiotic in the penicillin family, not a not a weak antibiotic in the penicillin family, a pretty strong one, right. and it can definitely treat these things in most cases, unless you happen to have this particular bug, which is very very common. Bug, bug. Oh, <laughs>
1: that's okay. You can say it. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> S-
0: sometimes you can identify MRSA on people's. Uh, faces like kids faces on their butt maybe sometimes they usually have sort of a yellowish crust along the edges of the uh, rash that goes along with that so that's something to think about now the signs and symptoms of cellulitis you have to recognize them as soon as you possibly can that is so important they include um, of course discomfort in the area of infection Uh, you might have fever and chills i didn't Go figure. The area of the infection is going to be warm to the touch compared to a non-affected area. Right,
1: check both sides equally. Right. So if you've got something on an upper arm, you check both upper arms. If it's on the lower leg, you check both legs in the same exact position to tell if one feels a little warmer. And what I also did was I crossed my hands and I, and I kept my eyes closed. So I just sort of compared without... Thinking about anything other than The the temperature that was on my fingers
0: Right, and indeed Even now my I'm a little warmer on the Affected shin than I am on the opposite side Swelling Is going to occur also in the area of infection The red area is usually swollen They might be shiny in appearance uh, Cause a sensation of tightness You may feel tight in those areas uh, if, if an accumulation Of pus occurs under the skin You, you may see pus actually draining or you may uh, notice some kind of cloudy fluid we call that exudate from the area of the infection uh, it could smell bad also and uh, certainly if it hasn't been treated with an antibiotic you'll probably see that some people lose hair at the site of the infection you'll notice a lot of people as they get older lose hair from uh, uh, their lower legs mm. and circul- circulatory issues the joints may be stiff and if the swelling involves the joint of course and people just feel exhausted. They just feel
1: run down, run down, tired, muscle achy. Right.
0: You know, they really don't I feel
1: like something's not right. Right. You get that that just run down feeling.
0: And they're right. Something's not right. <laughs> so indeed, looks like my cellulite has occurred almost exactly where the most typical area is. For the cellulitis, right on the shin we have there's so little protection yeah on the shin Either you have skin and then you have tibia right have the, the, it's right there you have shin bone and i'll tell you I, it's the first time that i had ever gotten a case of this and i Thank always goodness. i always snap back from any kind of infection so quickly and i'll tell you something it is pretty crazy that this is still well, it's stressful
1: point. because it can get very, very serious.
0: Right, and thank goodness we did a, a sonogram today at the vascular guy's office, and there's no blood clot that seems to be occurring inside a vein. I have an, a little accumulate, an accumulation of blood in the soft tissue, Next to it, right. but it doesn't appear that any of my veins have been blocked as a result of a clot. So that's something at least, yes. and I can. Feel a little more confident that Relax, I can be a more. patient about this yes. thing healing. Hell, you know, I'm an old fart. So <laughs> <Stop> <laughs>
1: it. And you very, you and, have a nurse to take care of yes. you.
0: <laughs> yes, but are you, you take care of people that, that look sinister, look like terrorists, yes. like me. Oh, you do? Even that. See that? And that's the way a medic should be. You should treat...
1: No matter what.
0: No matter what. No matter purple, how sinister they look.
1: Purple stripes with yellow <laughs> polka dots. I don't care.
0: Yeah, well, I... I've, I had that before, but no. that's gotten better. So at least that part's gotten better. Well
1: the makeup camouflages it well too. Now your makeup.
0: Yes. Oh well He's makeup am I makeup. wearing? My... I'm <laughs> oh, <God.
1: laughs> no, to ca- to camouflage your purple stripes and that's pink polka dots.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, so what do you do with somebody who has cellulitis? Of course, you're going wanna to wanna to keep a close eye on it. So you look at the red areas and you're going to want to mark them off with some kind of
1: here I have a pen,
0: pen or felt or felt tip Sharpie yes. or something so if you have you a know.
1: redness you want to take the take a permanent marker and just kind of take do an outline of whatever it is right so you see the exact marking of the redness
0: and identify the progress of it right now if it's gonna be bad it's going to continue to rise Right. So it's going to continue to spread And it's probably going to rise up towards the torso right. And if you've got something like that going on You've got real trouble And you definitely need that person on antibiotics Other helpful strategies Keep the limb elevated Above the level of the heart That's mm-hmm. something that's important uh, Some people use warm compresses or soaks To the affected area I use a cold pack in the, Only beginning, in the first day uh, On the beginning to try to decrease swelling right. Didn't help But normally does what, what can I say? And if you ever use a cold pack or a hot pack on someone, you should have a barrier between the skin, which in cellulitis is already traumatized, right, and the pack, cold pack or, or ice or, or even hot packs. All right, sounds good. By the way, if you are over 40, you are much higher uh, at risk to get this kind of thing than if you're younger. It's just part of aging that you, know, you just don't heal quite as fast or you have a somewhat higher chance to get. Infectional comorbidities are also an issue. Uh, I am a type 2 diabetic, so therefore, I may heal more slowly. Although, I never healed more slowly until now. But, indeed, I have Life a happens. scientific reason.
1: Life happens. I
0: have a scientific reason why that could happen.
1: Immunity decreases over time. Right. That's why more people are having problems with COVID right. who are much older.
0: Which is very sad for us much older people. Oh, I, don't, I, saw... I
1: don't consider you much older.
0: Oh, much older than what? The hills. There you go. That was a good one. All right, so anyhow, antibiotics. Okay, you yes. need to have antibiotics if you're the medic. And we talked, uh, was it just last week? podcast video last video yes, podcast we talked
1: about antibiotics last time we
0: talked about antibiotics and show and tell told show and told yes a number of them for yes. you and so you can't get thomas labs antibiotics anymore but there are a number of different
1: although i did brands. have someone write to me today who said they could find thomas labs antibiotics
0: yeah but what's the di- it was like
1: in, in walmart or something yeah
0: but they probably you know, close, close to, the to expiration, expiration yes, that's the thing because they're not producing any more exactly than they are. So, whatever Supposedly people have, not. that's great. But if you can get fresh antibiotics, you know, even though I talk about expiration dates, I'll talk about that in, in another show. That expiration dates aren't anything absolute. The truth is, if you have your choice, you have two bottles of antibiotics, and that you can only afford one. And this one here expires in three years, this one expires in six months. Guess which one you should buy. All right, so anyhow, antibiotics can be topical. Put them on the skin. They can be oral. They can be intravenous. Uh, The topical therapy is better for preventing infection than really treating it. I was told by the dermatologist to put something on the skin. But then again, they are the kind of people that would say, put something on the skin.
1: Right. Well, you had a little bit of that open scab. Actually, I think it was still a scab when you saw her. Yes. So she wanted to make sure that you know, if that scab opened up that you had some antibiotic cream on there.
0: So there you go. So and, and indeed that's good, although if you're out of antibiotics and you have access to honey, raw unprocessed honey I think is a reasonable thing to also put on there. Or if you have Which that... I
1: did put on his leg.
0: Mm-hmm. Or silver ointment. A silver ointment topically silver topically was the antibiotic before there were antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And so you know put some topical silver on it. That's also a good thing that would work for that. Now, oral antibiotics, they're most commonly used for this kind of problem in modern times, so that's why I want you to have them in quantity if you're going to be the medically responsible person for a survival group or for an extended family. Right. Because cellulitis is usually caused by bacteria, it will usually go away with antibiotics within a 7 to 14 days of, of taking them. Mm-hmm. And many times it's much better even before then, but I want you to take the entire course of therapy because even if you kill 99%, even if 1%, well, they can still multiply if they still survive, and it can come back, and that's like the last thing that you want because as a medic, your job is to keep people healthy and productive, and you're going to lose people from these kinds of infections. I remember the History Channel uh, special called After Armageddon, and some family... I forget what it was, but something happened. Some family was on the road in a survival scenario, mm-hmm. and uh, the father, who was actually a paramedic, hooked up with this survival group and was assigned, assigned to garden. Yes, right? gardening. And he cut himself somehow, and the area got red and irritated and swollen, and he got a cellulitis, and he had... No antibiotics and neither did the uh, The medic medic of the survival group. And so for the next three or four weeks he watched it climb up his body and basically he died uh, four weeks later, knowing exactly what was wrong and exactly what would have taken care of it. Exactly. And I hate that. I'll tell you. Penicillin family drugs, cephalosporins like Keflex, erythromycin. These are good things to start off with. Uh, Amoxicillin is popular. Uh, cephalexin is popular, uh, MRSA needs to be treated not with those, but with other ones like right. uh, uh, the sulfa drug combination right. of... Uh, right, and uh, clindamycin is another one, cliocin or lincosin. These are some that can be used that would treat MRSA. It's important to, like I said, complete the entire course of therapy. That means that you have to have enough antibiotics to do so. Right. So if you have exactly one bottle of antibiotics, And you're going to be the medic for 20 people. Well, guess what? You probably need more antibiotics. Dosing, I'll tell you the doses, I guess, real quick. I'll just read them off. If it's penicillin, amoxicillin, erythromycin, or ceflexin, 500 milligrams orally four times a day for seven to 14 days. This is for adults. Clindamycin, 300 milligrams orally three to four times a day for seven to 10 days. Doxycycline is an option too. 200 milligrams once, then 100 milligrams orally twice a day for 10 days. And sulfa drugs, uh, sulfamethoxazole, trimethoprim, 800-sulfamethoxazole, uh, 160-trimethoprim. This is a combination drug. Uh, orally, twice a day for 7 to 10 days. Usually, that would be the doses that are okay. Now, of course, you can be allergic to any one of these medications, and so you have to be aware that you're taking a risk there. Not all of them are, use, are good to use in pregnancy or to, good to use in, the, in infants, so I'm gonna make you do your own research on that. You can actually find a lot of information in our books, Holmes Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, the Survival Medicine Handbook. A lot of our free articles also address these uh-huh. topics. The longer the therapy and the higher the dose, the more likely some adverse reaction may occur. Some people may get diarrhea. Some people may feel nauseous or get headachey. Everybody's a little different. And indeed, i got to tell you that all sources, even highly qualified medical sources, may not agree with each other as to exact, the exact dose, the amount, exact amount of time you should take the medicines.
1: Or even the That's, combination. Or even the Because sometimes they want you to take two of them That's at right. the same time. Or
0: even the combination, and sure enough, you'll see somewhere different dosages and different uh, length of duration of therapy than what I told you. Matter of fact, if you line up five doctors, you probably get five different results with regards to their recommendations. hopefully
1: there's some overlap though
0: (laughs) so anyhow you as medic have to dispense antibiotics but the thing is is it's important to know that antibiotics are not candy Mm -mm. you have to dispense them only when absolutely necessary we have misused antibiotics not only doctors have misused antibiotics patients have misused antibiotics and indeed Agribusiness has misused antibiotics. 80% of antibiotics go to food-producing livestock, not because they're sick and need an antibiotic to cure an infection, but because it makes them grow faster and get to market sooner. Nobody really knows why this is, but that is indeed the case. And there are some countries that indeed have banned the use of antibiotics routinely on food-producing livestock. Denmark is one, for example, and doesn't seem to be any higher risk of uh, food poisoning. We don't need to give like our that. food
1: anything that shouldn't be in there. Unless an animal is sick, it should not be getting an antibiotic.
0: Well, let me talk about abscesses for a minute. An abscess is a collection of pus. Uh, pus is the debris left over from your body's attempt to fight an infection, and it consists of white cells and red blood cells and Live and dead microbes, not bugs, microbes, not crickets. More accurate. (laughs) And and inflammatory fluid. And sometimes it's called a boil. Sometimes it's called folliculitis if it's related to a hair follicle. If the abscess was not caused by an infected wound or a diseased teeth, it's possible that it originated in a cyst. Some people have cysts also on their skin. Uh, That's a hollow, walled-off structure that's filled with fluid. And it could get infected and become pus. This can occur just about anywhere. You can have cysts in your liver that can turn into abscesses, although there's not much you would be able to do as the off-grid medic for that. Uh, there are sebaceous cysts. These are the ones that are associated with hair follicles. They produce, not pus, but something called sebum, uh, which is sort of an oily material. Uh, there are inclusion cysts. When uh, uh, people have had surgery and the skin wasn't approximated just right, sometimes the skin underneath other, another layer of skin can form... Into a, a roundish cyst. And then there's a polynidal cyst, which is terrible. They're located over the area of your tailbone, and they are due to actually a malformation that occurred during fetal development. But they can easily become infected and wind up. I've seen a lot of people in the ER that have had to deal, with, had to have those drained. So speaking of drained, body's attempt to cure infection is pretty formidable. It tends to wall off infection. That's great because it helps prevent spread, but it also makes it difficult for antibiotics to penetrate. And as such, you may have to intervene by performing a procedure to drain the abscess. So you have to make a channel so that the pus can make its way to the outside. And the easiest way to do this is to place warm, moist compresses over the area. We call this ripening the abscess. And if you apply the compress over the area for 15 minutes or so on and off, uh, every couple hours really during the day, then that helps bring the infection to the surface of the skin where it may form a white, white head or some other kind of head and hopefully drain spontaneously. If it's being successful, you notice that the abscess will go from firm to soft as it, as it ripens. And so that's something that would, right? Yep. Okay. Comes to the top. Yep, there you go. As time goes by, if you don't see spontaneous drainage, this boil is getting bigger, well, you may have to lance it. Lancing a boil, as in medical ease we call it incision and drainage, uh, is something that you may have to do in your job as medic medic off the grid. First, wash your hands. Always wash your hands before you do anything regarding a patient. Put on gloves before attempting this procedure, and sterile gloves are better if you happen to have them. Uh, and once your gloves are on, you need to clean the area with an antiseptic. Uh, something like... Oh, good. Iodine would be...
1: I like the show and good. tell.
0: Yeah, the, right? Apply a numbing agent if you have it, even if you have just ice. Ice may help to decrease the feeling a little bit, and otherwise... As mu- it's
1: as much as you can do when you don't have any kind of... Lidocaine, right. yep.
0: Then you would use a sharp sterile instrument. Uh, if you have a scalpel, the number 11 scalpel and number 15 scalpel, these would be the best ones for this. If you don't have a sterile instrument, you put the blade over a fire uh, until it becomes red hot, then let it cool. Then you pierce the skin over the abscess perpendicular to the surface of the skin. And the pus should drain freely. I'll tell you, your patient will probably feel much better the second that pus, the pressure from that pus is released. Because that is something. Because, boy, I'll tell you, people can really, really have a lot of pain from these abscesses. Oh,
1: I used to have those when I was a kid. Called them boils. boils, My brother and I would get them on our legs. I don't know, maybe it's because we lived out in the... Boondocks, boondocks could be climbed climb trees And did all kinds of Crazy kid stuff But yeah They'd come at me With something And I would scream And run away And then they would Hold me down And <laughs> Pop it Either Either stick something in it Like a needle Or uh, Sometimes I, My mom would distract me And my dad would come Like this <laughs> And then This pus Comes shooting up Like a Gosh darn Ouch. volcano Oh my gosh my brother and I both had them. Oh, sometimes they were like this big. Horrifying. But thankfully we were kids. Yeah. And we never took antibiotics for them. It's they amazing. would put some cream on it and yep. cover it. We'd heal just fine.
0: Now that's actually the common thing that a lot of people think that you should do. But you need to do a little bit more if, if you want this thing not to come back. If you want it not to come back, of course you want to use some of the oral antibiotics that I, I just mentioned for cellulitis. But also what you need to use is like a small, maybe a small curved clamp, like um, you'll see in uh, Amy's minor surgery kit. You take something like this and go inside with the uh, clamp closed and then open it up to break up little walls that have formed, uh, compartments that have formed called loculations. The walls of of these compartments are called loculations. And indeed, you wanna break those up and. And that makes sure that you have drained The maximum amount of pus Or inflammatory fluid as you possibly can I think, By the way it's, it's a good idea to have some extra gauze handy Because a large boil can be pretty messy to treat it may be very foul Now there's a show, cable show called Dr. Pimple Popper oh, And she does this gosh. kind of stuff All the time and is gross as you can imagine
1: all get out we'll say gross is <laughs> all get out
0: <laughs> once you've managed to drain the abscess what you need to do is you need to there use we your go. irrigation syringe Yeah, have one of our kids you've got an irrigation syringe and so you need to flush it out and get out all the debris all the pus that might be just sticking to the walls uh, of that abscess that's important and then i would pack a, a thin gauze i'd cut a, thin, a cut a strip of gauze Pregnate some betadine into it. It's, wait, it's pack- also
1: called iotaform.
0: Iotaform. And if
1: you'd have told me you were going to talk about that, I would have Oh, gotten- you have some iodoform? Of course, iodoform course, I have everything. Okay, good. There's nothing that you've talked about I, know, I don't well, have.
0: Well, I knew we have it in, in the office, <laughs> but I didn't know we had it here. Iotaform packing. I-O-D-O-F-O-R-M packing. Good idea to have that. comes in different sizes depending on the so- on what you need. Uh, and then apply an antibiotic ointment or raw unprocessed processed honey to the skin surrounding the incision that you made. So, and then I want you to cover it with an adhesive bandage or a gauze dressing because it could continue to drain. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's important. Daily care means that you change the packing on a regular basis, daily at least, twice daily is even better, until the abscess cavity fills in on its own. The abscess returns, however, sometimes you actually have to go in there and you have to take the walls out, which is a more complex surgical procedure. You have these kind of instruments would be... You
1: we open it back up?
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Okay. You would need open, you would need a fine scissors, and, and you would need things to hold, um, clamps to hold it. Here's a tweezers, to, tooth tweezers. Here is um, retractor. a retractor that would allow you to open a particularly large of course If you're listening one. to this
1: podcast, you can go on our website on store.doomandbloom.net and see the minor surgical or minor surgery set that I'm going to put up, and Good. you'll see all of these interesting instruments that we are discussing
0: so that's the thing now of course for dental abscesses you can do something sort of similar the only problem is that you probably are not going to be able to save nearby teeth if a tooth is involved with a with a dental abscess oftentimes that root is rotten and it's just not going to be successful you know you may wind up losing some teeth more on that in future shows That's all we have for today. We are medical preparedness advocates, Joe Alton, M.D. This is...
1: Amy Alton.
0: (laughs) Amy Alton, A-R-N-P. Nurse practitioner. (laughs) Nurse practitioner, Amy Alton. We thank you so much for listening. We will be back next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.
1: Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did.